Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We appreciate you joining us once again. I want to put a quick cold open at the start of this week's podcast because it took me a little bit extra to get the podcast out this week. Uh, life intervened towards the tail end of last week, and I was not able to put this out on a Friday, on Friday the 10th of February, the way that I originally had intended. That mostly matters because on February 11th, Jared Nagus broke the American record for the indoor mile at the Wanamaker Mile in the Milrose Games in New York City. We talk about Jared Nagus recently breaking the American 3,000-meter indoor record and what an impressive performance that was. I didn't want anybody to hear this and think that we had missed what happened over the course of the weekend because we're not actually releasing the podcast until after the weekend's events. So... Big praise, big ups, big kudos to Jared Nagus and all of his impressive performances. And I'm certain that we will be discussing that the next time that we record. Thanks again for joining us, everybody. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by High Echelon. You can find them at highechelonCPA.com. High Echelon PC is a nationwide CPA firm in Atlanta focused on a great client experience. High Echelon provides top quality work with total transparency, so clients always know exactly what they're getting. They believe accounting doesn't need to be complicated and that clients should always get the experience they deserve, which includes top-notch accounting, tax and payroll services, timely communication, complete data flow, and the best automation and security. Book a call or drop them a line at their website, highecheloncpa.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Elemental Altitude Training Center. You can find them at ElementalAltitude.com. Elemental Altitude is Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. At Elemental Altitude's state-of-the-art indoor training center, they are capable of simulating elevation up to 24,000 feet. Training in the thinner air and lack of oxygen prompts an increase in red blood cells, meaning that more oxygen can be delivered to your working muscles on race day. Athletes undertaking all sorts of goals from rugged mountain climbs to flat sea level marathons to Ironman triathlons train in the hypoxic environment created at Elemental Altitude. I trained there several times myself ahead of my successful race at the London Marathon in 2022. In addition, Elemental Altitude hosts a variety of physiological testing such as sweat testing, blood lactate testing, VO2 max testing, and a variety of metabolic testing which can tell you your resting metabolic rate and the types and amounts of fuel you're burning at different training and racing intensities. Drop them a line at info at elementalaltitude.com if you have questions or you want to set up an appointment. Again, their website is elementalaltitude.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at bluepineappletravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel is an agency of experienced travel advisors who help you design the perfect trip. Blue Pineapple Travel advisors are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. They love to help people plan their travel, whether it's for a race, a family trip, a weekend getaway, or the trip of a lifetime. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group inside the U.S. or abroad, Blue Pineapple Travel can plan exactly the trip that you want. Find them online at bluepineappletravel.com and see some of the great places that folks who have worked with Blue Pineapple Travel go on their Instagram, at bluepineappletravel. Finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance's mission is to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust the training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you to chat about your goals and to find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. Thanks to all of our sponsors who help us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Everybody and welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITO Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, High Echelon, and Elemental Altitude. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a college professor. I'm a father of twin boys. My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a CPA and a mom to three girls. 
And my name is Eric Hall. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I am so excited to be part of the Michelle and George show today. <laughs> well, on that note, let's start with Michelle. Uh, Michelle, you made a big deal of saying how you were on a rest week last week and you were resting and not running and not weight training and sleeping in till 5 a.m. And, and all that sort of thing. Uh, have you run since we last recorded? Yeah, I did the running thing today. So it took <laughs> eight days off. Um, Good. Yeah, it was as awful as I think everybody who's kind of taken an extended break um, feels when they come back. And I was a little nervous about my hamstring. Um, and it's definitely, it's not great, but it's not, you know, it's not horrible. Mm -hmm. um, it feels like you could just kind of run easy on it and just be careful but I definitely want to get it more uh, kind of just ready to really be firing again. So I did make another appointment. Um, I was not planning to this week, but I actually made the appointment from my phone, like walking uh, from the end of the run back to my house. <laughs> so I guess in the moment it felt like super critical. Um, mm -hmm. I was really hoping to go Wednesday, but it looks like it's going to be Friday morning. So, but yeah, I mean, I, really wanted a new pair of shoes. I bought them. I bought the wrong size. Um, but luckily I had two other new pair of shoes waiting also. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I still got to wear a new pair of shoes, just not the ones I wanted. Um, yeah. So, you know, all my dreams came true for my first run back and I didn't catch up from the laundry uh, from eight days ago and before. So I, it still looks like I ran all last week with the clean laundry, but yeah, you know, we're going to dive back in. So. All right. Very good. Very good. All right. So a couple questions. First question, you joked on our text thread one time in the middle of last week about how you were taking time off and you were enjoying taking time off and about how I can't wait to get back to running, said no one ever. Um, <laughs> did you eventually get to a place over the course of that break where you actually wanted to go running again? Um, I didn't feel it until I think Justin Dugan mentioned to us that he ran Hearts and Souls on Saturday morning, right? And Yeah. The 10, okay. the 10K, so yeah. He said something about how awful or cold it was, way too cold to be running a 10K. Mm -hmm. And I had this like, oh, that would have been nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was kind of my, there's always just something that triggers um, that type of like, oh, I want to be doing that too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it just, it just felt like I wanted to get back on a schedule and I didn't, I wasn't, I was willing to take 10 days off, but I think it's better just for me and my week. If I just get going first thing on a Monday morning, then push it off till Wednesday. Um, so yeah, a little bit, but I definitely didn't miss it most of the time. So. All right. Very good. Uh, to be clear, what he said was quote, it was too cold for a 10 K today. My hands. <laughs> That's all he said. <laughs> oh, so I think it made me think about how we, um, wore the hand warmers in Alabama and how our hands weren't cold. And it was, yeah, um, yeah. I was like, oh, I could have helped you with that if I'd been there. <laughs> I didn't say that, but. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, he, he was actually push assisting. Um, and so when it was 25 degrees, which is about what it was on Saturday morning here in uh, Metro Atlanta, um, and he's pushing a wheelchair. And so that means his hands are just kind of sitting out there. They're not moving through space or anything. They're just sitting there. Um, and, and yeah, I think he, uh, he got but, frozen pretty good. It's kind of twisted, it, Michelle, that that's what inspired you to want to start running again. <laughs> I never twisted. said it was going to be like some touchy feely or what you think it would. There's just always a point <laughs> where it shifts from, I'm never running again to, Ooh, let's get I agree. Going. I, um, I, I actually agree with you on that. Um, and it, and it is sometimes a little bit twisted, like you're saying though, but yeah, it's, it's, you fall into this place where, where you're like, oh yeah, I, I'm, I'm enjoying having this extra time and sleeping in and, and being able to do all sorts of other things. And then something happens and you say, well, I kind of miss George. The I runner. mean, I, I will say that when I went to go, to, I went to West stride yesterday and I typically wear a nine and a half in a shoe. And if anything, I would go down to a nine and I was really unsure about the, new balance super comp trainer that I was trying on and the 
you know, sales associate who's probably like some high school boy or maybe college kid, whatever, was like, well, why don't you hop on the treadmill and try them out? And I was like, I'm not running today. <laughs> and, I, and I said it with such a passion. He was, I was like, it's too complicated to explain, but just trust me, I'm not getting on your treadmill. <laughs> so, I, have, you know. I have determined that Monday morning is going to be my running return, <laughs> not here in West Ride on Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Very good. I will look forward to hearing how that goes. I mean, Eric loved those shoes, the New Balance Super Comp Trainer Elite. Did I say all the names, no. Eric? New Balance Fuel, Fuel New Cell. New Balance Fuel Cell Super Comp Trainer. And there's but, no Elite in the name. My bad. No, okay. Right. Not in these. Hopefully, if I like the Super Comp Trainer, I would probably run most of my miles in that and then move the Deviate Nitro to more of a, like a road workout shoe. Cool. So. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. Cause you have, you have a couple of deviate nitro still in stock too, right? In stock in your closet. <laughs> in stock. I, like it. I love the in stock. Um, yeah, I'm down to my last pair of the original um, in a box. And I also have the twos, which the heel counter didn't work. And I bought them right when they came out, returned them to Puma and they credited me my money and sent me another pair of twos. So I'm going to try again. Um, I, try a different way of lacing them as Eric suggested and maybe they'll work. They are so pretty. So I really hope they work. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Eric, what you been up to, man? Running. So how's um, it going? It's going all right. I, um, I had one tough run last week, but then recovered from that. And I had a really like, I guess it was I can't remember if it was Friday or Saturday, ran with Melissa um, for the first half of my run. It was That was really fun, nice and easy run with Melissa. And then yesterday I went out and did my first Peyton's workout uh, preparing for that event. So that was, and that went well. The 10 by 5K really in March. Run. Yep, the Peyton's Wild and Wacky 10 by 5K. Michelle, aren't you doing that too? I better get going. What was the workout? <laughs> <laughs> so the workout was plan to be uh one by ones one mile on one mile off at my uh, expected Peyton's pace I did go a little fast I think I was a little excited um but that was the that was the workout and I'm gonna slowly ratchet up the distances uh on the the fast portions to sort of simulate that you know you you run the 5k and then you get the rest of the hour to rest and then you run the 5k but I'm not gonna I don't think I'm gonna try to do what I've done in years past whereas I will go out and actually like run a 5k and then take some time off and then go run another 5k. There's just too much time commitment for that. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to build it in as a, you know, a repetition type workout with one mile breaks and just build up the distance of the, the on periods. Cool, man. Very good. Very good. Yeah. That's uh like what March 11th, something like that. Yep. That is it. And Very Grace good. and I'll be down there in Mount Pleasant with uh, our friend, Brett. Um, yeah, and your, fun. and your friend, Michelle, I know I was going to say, what did I just become chocolate? <laughs> well, we had already mentioned Michelle, so I didn't feel like I needed to say that again. <laughs> gotcha. So. Gotcha. Brett, Brett, uh, former champion and, uh, one of only two or three people who have done that event every time it's been offered. And so I want to say this is maybe the seventh or eighth edition of the race. And so that means that, that by the end of this year's race, he would have done 80 by 5k uh, in that park as part of that race, <laughs> wow. which is a little bit insane for sure. Um, but Michelle, I'm super excited. I, Eric's run that race before and I, I kind of know what he thinks about it. And, and, and I've run that race twice, of course. And, and I think it's great. I'm super excited to hear what, what you think about it just as a first timer. Um, it's, it's such a unique format and it's a fun race and, and just the overall scene is, is fantastic. Um, it's an interesting challenge. It's interesting. Cause I, always feel like I start a cycle with some type of like one minute on like a similar workout to what, to what Eric mentioned, but these runs where you just run for hours and hours, but you like, is it, are you training the speed or like the endurance or is it just have to be like the perfect combination? Like do people go out and run the first few five K's as hard as they can, and then just hang on for the last five no. Or are people just saying, I think I can average this minute per mile for all of them and just yes. try to be really steady? 
Yes. The, the, the ones who are successful do the latter. Yeah, I was going to say, you the ones who aren't successful people. do the former. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, 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 are, there are definitely people that are going to go out there and PR, literally PR in like the first or second 5K, and then are going to be walking by the eighth or ninth one, and then are going to do the last one with a beer in each hand. Um, and that's cool. That's fine. Um, uh, that's not what I've done. I feel like I've the two times I've done that race, I've been successful in it. Um, I won the race last year um, and it was very much my approach to, to from the start run about a pace that I thought that I could maintain for every single 5k from start to finish. That's um, good. I mean, that's how I like to run anyway. So mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, mm -hmm. that's my plan, hopefully. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it, and it means the first one's going to feel pretty relaxed, which is nice. The first two or three are going to feel pretty relaxed. Um, but then while those are feeling relaxed and while you're not having to worry about the running pace, you can actually focus on, okay, what's your routine in between the races and, and what do you do in order to make sure that you cool off, but not too much to make sure that you're fueling things like that. Um, because even the fueling is kind of odd. You know, if you had 10 hours between two, five Ks, it would be a lot different than it is when you have, uh, 40 minutes between two, five Ks. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it yeah. like I said, it makes for an interesting and fun challenge. Um, we did it last year. Kat Gerd did it last year, a friend of the podcast. And so um, it's always super fun. Prentice Douglas did it with us a few years ago, another friend of the podcast who uh, came on to talk about running every street in San Francisco a few years ago. Um, and so, yeah, Michelle, I'm looking forward to hearing, hearing how it goes for you, for sure. For sure. Just uh, two quick notes, Michelle, as you're kind of thinking about this. The, the going strategy for pace is near your marathon pace. Mm -hmm like your expected marathon pace. Yeah. And then the second thing is, I can't remember which one it is. I think it's the 10 o'clock one though, which would be the mm -hmm. third. That's right. That's right. The is fourth. The fourth. Yeah. The 10 o'clock one is a 5k in itself. Mm -hmm. So the oh, so starting line. People. Yeah. And they're just running a 5k. Right. So <laughs> it's, it kind of confuses everything. But then I guess there's a there's a third note to this is there are also relay teams out there. Right. And some of those relay teams are staffed by um, eight to 12 year olds mm -hmm. who are wearing track spikes and they go pretty fast for that first mile, mile and a half, too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so just well, things to think about when it's, you just don't want to do any more 5Ks. <laughs> <laughs> like so it's it's the same as any other race it's the same as when you get to mile 21 of a marathon and you're like i don't think i'm about done running um or when, or when you get to to like that descent into mckay's hollow uh, in mountain mess and you're like i'd really rather not do this um you know you just kind of keep on pushing on through um i think there's a few that things on my calendar race. and nothing nothing is less than 30 miles in one day right <laughs> and i'm just like yeah. what is this yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I definitely was thinking marathon pace, um, mm -hmm. and hoping to get in, get back to the road, um, and, and do some workouts and maybe even head back to the track a little bit the next few weeks. So. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's flat, which is good. Cause you can kind of zero in on that effort, but then it's also, uh, not paved it's, it's on dirt. And so when you're thinking about what marathon pace is, it's going to be a little bit slower cause it's on dirt. Um, right. and you're probably gonna be wearing different shoes than you would be wearing during your actual marathon. And so, you know, a couple more seconds because of that. Um, and so it's marathon pace, but that's kind of in quotation marks just because it's and not going to be exactly a one-to-one -one from that to your it, marathon pace. She could wear marathon shoes. So, well, is it mm -hmm. dirt? Like your shoes are going to get dirty type of dirt. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's fine. All yes, of my new yes, shoes are going to be new this week. So they will be six weeks old. So I don't really care. Yes, it is. Um, yes, it is. Now you, you remember I said, when we talked about it last year, I ended up running, uh, most of the runs in the back half wearing endorphin speeds, um, which were surprisingly good, um, on that course given that there was so much dirt and gravel and grass. Um, I, I wasn't mean, expecting them to feel as good as they did, and they did. From a intellectual standpoint, I'm very much planning on wearing this New Balance Fuel Cell Super Comp trainer, even though I've never run a mile in it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll uh, see. I am going to provide a little feedback about that. The surface is not even, right? It is off-road, even though it's a even though it's a dirt road or gravel. And so that might spots. be too much of a stack. 
Well, it's, it's not so much the stack. If, if, if you look at that shoe from the back, the, the cavern that is down the middle of it between the two uh, portions on the, on the it's outside. It's not straight. Well, it's those, instead of having like a giant stack on the back of the shoe, you have two stacks and you have that big cavern down the middle. And that's part of the, the arc uh, technology they have for the carbon plate. And what I realized during my um, 24 attempt at delirium is that on a little bit of an uneven surface, that can be pretty tough to run on. So uh, this is not as bad as delirium's off-road road section. And it, you're not gonna be running it in the night. So you're gonna see the surface, but I would just, Every time I step off the road on those shoes, like to say, you know, for a car or something, because I do run in those quite often, I you instantly feel, feel like, yes, this is not an off-road shoe hmm. because it's just, you know, it's like two pontoons as opposed to a heel on the back of that shoe. It's just something to think about. And the first time you run in them, you're going to notice it immediately, like how much spring there is in that. But I'd, I'd run off-road a little bit just to see what it feels like before you. Yeah. Well, choose that I have wanted to try the speed threes. I've heard great things about them. So maybe I'm getting you, another. You, you, you recommended that I try them. So yeah, <laughs> maybe we'll you should take we'll your own see. advice. Yeah, for sure. All right. Strength work check-in. Michelle, you just started running again. Like we're actually recording on a Monday, which I think is going to become our norm over the course of the next couple of months here. Um, you ran for the first time in eight days today. I don't expect you've done any strength work this week, but do you have plans to do strength work this week? Wednesday, I have plans. Right. I actually also have plans to reach out to like a specific strength coach. I, I really, I have to like rein this in. I have to just come up with some sort of system. No, I agree. I do too. So, so I, I have to come up with some sort of system, but um, I am, I'm going to do a little bit of strength work this week, but as you both know, the problem with over racing is that you don't find time to train. Right. Um, that, that you're always either recovering from a race or getting ready for a race such that you don't want to do something that's going to negatively impact that race. And so I was thinking about it and here we are, what, seven weeks, next week is going to be seven weeks into the year. The first week of the year, I could have done some strength work that week and I didn't do it. Second week of the year was the week before the Houston Marathon. So I didn't do any of that week because I didn't want to mess up the Houston Marathon. The third week was the week after the Houston Marathon. I didn't want, I was still recovering. The fourth week was the week before Mountain Mist, so I didn't want to do anything to mess with Mountain Mist. The fifth week was the week after Mountain Mist, so I was recovering. This is the sixth week, so I can do some now. But then next week is the seventh but week. Next and week. Yeah. yeah, next week is the seventh week, and that's before the Austin Marathon. And so of the first seven weeks of the year, because of the the, the busy race schedule that I chose for myself here, that has actually precluded me from doing a whole lot of training. It's not just strength work. It's like... like uh, repeats and, and workouts and that sort of thing. I haven't been able to do a whole lot of those except for on the bike as well. Um, so this is the reason why you don't schedule things like I've scheduled over the course of the first seven weeks of the year here. Right. So, um, so um, let me just get but, this straight though. You're yeah. basically saying your poor decision-making has set you up not to perform strength workouts. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just make uh, sure it's clear. So, so what, 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 what I'm saying <laughs> What I'm saying is that I have a really good excuse for not having engaged in strength work yet this year. No <laughs> such thing. <laughs> or this is may maybe not a really good excuse, but a good excuse. Um, but it's also, I mean, we we both know, we all know from from just experience and 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 watching other people that somebody who's racing all the time, somebody who's following the Mike Wardian schedule and racing 50 to 60 times a year they don't actually ever train. They just run and race and run and race and run and race. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think I've always known that I've always said that I've always coached people not to fall into that trap, but I've kind of put myself into that spiral over the course of the first couple of months of this year. I knew yeah, I was you're enjoying getting it. Into it. So I am enjoying, you're enjoying it, it though. So I, I, I am, I am, but, th but it's not sustainable. It's not something I would want to do ad infinitum. Right. This is just, this is this is a fun little seven week experiment here, um, but I'm about done with it actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about done. Well, with it. So I'm so looking forward. Austin's awesome. gonna be fun. My wife's going with me. It's just gonna be the two of us. Um, we're gonna have a good time. So uh, my strength work check in is I'm yeah. five for six, 
five for six, six weeks, five strength workouts. All right. Good stuff, so man. I, I cannot, um, I, I do not remember why I missed one and I'm not even going to try to come up with an excuse. I just All missed right. one. My wife took a foam rolling class on her Peloton, a foam rolling class, a 20 minute foam rolling class. And it like was serious. Can I count that for strength work? If I do that this afternoon? I thought you were going to say, can you count the fact that your wife took a class on her Peloton <laughs> as strength workout? <laughs> Definite no. Um, can my wife do my strength work for me? <laughs> no. And, and no. That would be good. Foam she rolling, is strong. Foam, foam rolling is important. I actually add it to my runner's schedules um, sometimes, but I would not call that strength work. No. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. That's like when Grace gets on me, my daughter, Grace, who's also an ultra runner. That's like when she gets on me for saying trail run when I run on the American tobacco trail. Okay. Um, because which it's is, not single track. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. It's actually gravel. And mm -hmm. that's the reason why I put trail run because I'm trying to track miles, not on asphalt. Mm -hmm. um, she's saying that's not a trail, even though it is the American tobacco trail. trail. We're not going to get into this. Mm -hmm. We're not going to get into this, but yeah. <laughs> so, well, actually this is not like that because her argument is invalid. My argument is completely valid. Rolling is not strength workout. All right. All right. Um, uh, let's talk about the book of the quarter. Uh, Michelle, uh, when you sent us the photo of your shoes, your new shoes that are a little bit too small, you also had the book of the quarter in the photo. So you have now attained the book. Is that right? It's right. I did not pre-order it, but I still got it really quickly. I think it Good. just came out. So, so it did. It came out on February 2nd, came out on Groundhog Day. Fit Nation, so, the gains and pains of America's exercise yeah. obsession by Natalia Melman Petrozella. Have you started reading it yet? No, um, I'm hoping to this weekend, probably. So I was catching up on all of these. I sometimes print out articles that I see on my phone, but I can't read. And mm -hmm. I have like a tray in my office where I mm -hmm. take everything that comes from the printer. That's not, if I'm printing it, it's either something I need to look at and destroy in the moment or I'm saving it. Mm -hmm. um, so this past weekend, I probably, it's embarrassing how much paper it was. Um, but I spent hours just reading stuff over the last probably two and a half weeks that I had either bookmarked or saved or I'm sure sent you guys, but hadn't read it yet. So hopefully later this week, I'll pick up the book because I'm excited to read it. So do you read more than one book at a time, Michelle? It doesn't work when I read more than one book at a time. So okay. I will start, I will be in like four different books. I, I cycle all the time. And then mm -hmm. I just put them all aside and commit to finishing one. Mm -hmm. um, the problem with that is when I typically read multiple books at once, I almost never finish any of them. Okay. Fair. So, but I, I do have a stack of books next to my bed. Um, and some of them I'll just kind of like go back to every once in a while and I'll find sections and I'll read them. But I just finished Lauren Fleshman's book. So um, I read that on its own and then I read a bunch of articles. Uh, now I will start the book of the quarter and just, try to read it on its own. If I'm, if I'm holding a book, um, I do typically listen to something different on audible than something mm -hmm. that I'm reading when I'm sitting in my chair or, you know, just in bed or something. So for sure. Yeah. I, I have had the experience that you've had before too, is that I will read multiple books at a time, but then I might like just be halfway through one and be like, I'm just not into this book and I'll put it down. Yeah. The fact that I have a, uh, book reading resolution this year has actually inspired me to finish more books. And in turn, it's inspired me to lower the number of books that I'm reading at one time down to only two or three, rather than like literally five or six, which sometimes I'm looking at. Um, yeah. And so, so yeah, that, that goal is going well. I actually ended up opening my goal to 30 rather than 26 because I'm moving at a pretty good pace here. But, um, but yeah, uh, Eric, what about you? Do you read more than one book at a time? I have three books on my book stand and I have one that I'm reading on uh, Apple books or iBooks or whatever it's called. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I just realized this book's like 30 bucks. <laughs> and that, that obviously tells you I haven't started this book yet. So, <laughs> you know, and, and I know my, one of my goals for the year is to read all the books. So Michelle, when you're done with that, can you just send it my way? <laughs> um, I'll send it your way with your buff. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> what about my smart wool hat? We never found your smart wool hat. Okay. If you send me a link, I could buy you a new one. I feel really no, bad. 
That is not your fault. I'll, I'll... Well, kind of is, but okay. <laughs> this is all. This is all the clothing that that we shed and we gave to Michelle's uh, crew member during the uh, during the mountain mess. So, so yeah, um, you still have my vest, right, Michelle? Let Somehow or another, I'll get you your vest. The problem is, is it looks like my clothing, and it's hard to remember. It's hanging on my in my mudroom, and I don't ever remember that it's actually yours. And I need to get it back to you because it just looks like something I would wear. So no, no, no pressure. I did just cross the 10 year threshold with the bike that I borrowed from my friend in <laughs> January of 2013. And so not returning things is something that I'm willing to, to give a little grace on. Um, right, I quit riding first... the bike more than a year ago, but I still haven't actually returned it to him. It's just been sitting in my room. But this was, this is pretty new, right? This is from last year. Yeah, yeah I've only worn it twice, both times. Yeah, so I missed. need to get it back to you. <laughs> okay. so, yeah, yeah, very good. I look forward to getting back from you. Thanks for that. Um, all right, let's talk about some uh, some other news here. Um, uh, we didn't talk last week about some of the pretty brilliant performances that took place at Boston University a couple of weeks ago. And that's because we were talking about all sorts of other things. Um, but I did want to circle back around to them. Specifically, there was a, a race at Boston University, an indoor race, uh, that always has fast times. It's seen collegiate records. It's seen national records. It's even seen a world record or two. Um, and uh a couple of weeks ago, Yared Nagus set an American record, a new American record in the 3,000 meters by running 728.24 to break Galen Rupp's 10-year-old American record in the 3,000 meters. Um, and then Yared Nagus, in the same race where he set the American record, he had his own collegiate record broken um, by a guy from Northern Arizona named Drew Bosley coming up behind him and run 736. And then two hours later, uh, Woody Kincaid comes back um, and ran... Uh, 26.27 for the final lap to run 1251.61 uh, to take two seconds off of Grant Fisher's American indoor record of 1253 that was set at the same meet last year. Um, some pretty amazing performances. Joe Klecker ended up finishing second in that 5,000 meters to run 1254. Um, he was first time he's ever gone under 13 minutes, uh, making him the 11th American under 13 minutes and the number four fastest American on the combined indoor outdoor 5,000 meter list. Um, some fast times to kind of kick off the indoor season there a couple of weeks ago. I actually have listened and read quite a bit um, from Nagus and from Woody over the last week or two. Um, I'll just say Yared's a little interesting. Um, he said in one post-race podcast that everything he's doing right now is just for fun. And all of his prize money is essentially just money for dental school. And he's going to go to dental school when he's 30. So okay. for him, this is all just like, he didn't say it's shits and giggles, but that's kind of what it felt like. He's playing with house money. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, Woody Kincaid is obviously a more interesting story because he had been training in Flagstaff for a while. It was pretty clear that, you know, he had separated from Bowerman uh, to what extent, nobody really knew. But over the past few weeks, it's come out, you know, that he wanted to find a new group. In order to find a new group, he had to separate himself from Bowerman and um, Jerry Schumacher and was a little bit self-coaching, a little bit, you know, getting some advice from Mike Smith out in Flagstaff. And I love the Woody Kincaid story because I think he really bet on himself. You know, I mean, he left a group and a coach that, and, and he said this even in a podcast, he said, Jerry made me the runner that I am. And that's just such a hard decision and a hard move to make. That's like all Woody had known really for, for years was, was Jerry in, in that group. So I love that he bet on himself. I love that he went out there and kicked some major ass. Um, and I'm excited to see, you know, what he does in the outdoor season. Um, he said he's been doing a lot of double threshold workouts, which mm -hmm. I feel like is just the thing when you go run for Mike Smith, right? Is that, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and when he ran for Bowerman, you know, they never, they raced very little and he's been able to make his own schedule and he raced, you know, back to back weekends. And, um, so I don't know, it's just good to see, you know, a lot of times people have these infrastructures and they just can't be successful outside of them, but just to make a shift like that and still start out. I don't even want to say come out on top. He's starting out on top and he seems excited. Um, he seems kind of a bit rejuvenated. I don't know. I'm happy for him. He's, I will say though, that race, Joe Klecker had that race won. I mean, he, 
the bell lap and Joe Klecker, I feel like he had like 30 meters on him. And then all of a sudden here comes Woody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Joe, was Joe Klecker was the only person in the shot. So, so yeah. Woody Kincaid was far enough outside the shot that, that Joe Klecker kind of had it wrapped up and, and the commentators had shifted over to entirely talking about Joe Klecker and what an amazing performance this is. And one of them kind of mentioned offhand, well, don't forget Woody Kincaid has a really strong kick. He's always been noted for his kick. He's won multiple races and, and U.S. championships and Olympic trials based upon his kick. And then almost as soon as soon as they had said that. He launches into this just massively fast, you know, and ends up beating Joe Klecker by three seconds. Um, Unbelievable. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So on the Let's Run podcast, the Let's Run guys asked him, you know, what is your rivalry like with Grant Fisher? Because he broke Grant's record, right? And right. And he and said Gra- Grant, and Grant and Grant had been his teammate at Bowerman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he said Grant sent him a text message and the message just said mate (laughs) like right (laughs) after he broke the record he said i don't even think i replied to that but that was that was the message from grant fisher but um, is that mate as in he's calling him his mate like what they say in australia is that mate like a chess term um like this was a mate i mean woody was very woody was very clear that he would love to have this like fiery rivalry with grant but grant's too nice of a guy (laughs) (laughs) so he's not getting the like he he always wanted to beat him when they were teammates he still wants to beat him um and he'll do everything he can to make it like a intense rivalry but he said grant's just such a nice person that it's it's never going to give us what we want (laughs) that that that, that makes me feel good about being a grant fisher fan yeah i thought Um, so but it's funny because so Woody Kincaid is somebody that I've suddenly come around to. Um, I was not a big fan of Woody Kincaid until literally two weeks ago. Um, and and following that race and just seeing him run that fast and run that well, I've kind of come around. Um, Woody Kincaid to me in the past was somebody who was clearly fast, but more than anything, had a really strong kick. And so that meant that that he would always win these championship races, but then he would go off to, to championship meets like the world championships or the Olympics or something else like that and wouldn't be able to hold the fast pace of the best runners in the world. And he would outkick at our national championships or at our trials, by my analysis, would outkick people who might have actually had a better chance of keeping up with the best runners in the world. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and so he always kind of annoyed me. It's also flatly a personal thing too, because I'm the opposite of that. I'm the one who can kind of keep up, but then gets out kicked by everybody. Um, yeah. And so, so maybe there's a little bit of jealousy on my part too, but, um, and so I, I was never a fan because I always felt like he was taking spots um, in national championships from people just based upon his strong kick. Um, people who were in my estimation, better runners than he was. Um, but I can't really say that anymore when he goes out there and runs 1251. Um, we'll, uh, we'll see how he continues to do here. I hope that he does well. Um, uh, I, I, uh, would like to see him do better, uh, uh, at the championship level at the global championship level. He certainly has the finishing speed to do that, but he just needs to be able to keep up during the race itself. Yeah. Let's talk about one other kind of quick piece of pro running news. Uh, Megan Christian, who we've talked about <laughs> a few times from the Atlanta Track Club. Uh, Come on. <laughs> so Megan Christian, you'll recall that we talked about her when she ran CIM back in December. Um, and we talked about she ran CIM because it was her third marathon in five or six weeks, right? So she had run Philadelphia. She run New York City. She ran New York, then she ran Philadelphia. And she's like, I still feel like I have something else. Um, and so she ran um, uh, CIM. Well, her coach after CIM was like, yeah, nope, nope. She's done running. Nope, nope, no more. Well, then she turned around in January and ran the Miami Marathon. <laughs> um, so evidently she wasn't done. Evidently, she is following the run a marathon every month or more schedule here. Um, I mean, Michelle, what do you think about that? What, have you seen anything about that? I mean, she made it seem like she just went down there for like a long run. But a few things that strike me about that. She, she was running. She just, was running her marathon pace for the first half of the race. That was That's what I was going to say. Is she yeah. was clearly racing a marathon until yeah. it got hot. And it was yeah. very hot. I mean, right. it's typically hot for this race, but it was a scorching hot day in Miami last weekend. Um, yeah. And she totally was unable to maintain the marathon pace that, you know, the two thirty ish pace that she had been running mm-hmm. also, you know, I don't know what, where you are in a marathon build when you're just coming off three marathons and you're going to get ready to build up for Boston and you're just going for, um, like a 26 mile long run. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think she's chasing prize money, which is fine. I mean, I don't, you know, I mean, it could be that she's clearly fine, you know, mentally. Um, if she still is gung ho about keeping going 26.2 miles, I cannot imagine it's, it's so great for her relationship with her coaches. Well, I was I mean, going to say, so, so after, after she ran CIM, Amy was her, her I mean, coach, Amy Begley, who's the coach of the, of the elite athletes, Amy and Andrew Begley are the coaches of the elite athletes in the Atlanta track club posted on Facebook, um, something about how, well, this is how we got to this place. And it almost felt kind of defensive as if to say, look, I wouldn't coach somebody necessarily to do this. I certainly wouldn't coach, but here's the situation that led to Megan running three marathons in six weeks um, and five weeks. Um, and, and she got to the end of her explanation, which was fine. And I don't feel like it needs to be justified, but she got to the end of her explanation and said, said, but yeah, if she said she was going to run another one, I would definitely say no. Right. Evidently not. <laughs> Evidently. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, Miami you know. is not, I mean, what is it like $6,000 for the win? Maybe four. I mean, I think she won a thousand dollars, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to say. I mean, I, I, I'm certainly not one to criticize, uh, at this particular moment. Um, but, uh, but, but I do think it's interesting and it kind of makes me wonder just sort of what she's up to, um, for sure. For sure. And what's next? I mean, we're in February now. Is she going to run the Publix marathon? Well, she's, she's in the Boston elite field, isn't she? So, yeah. So, See, so that, that takes care of April, but what are her February and March marathons going to be? <laughs> I mean, honestly, the public's half is not a bad tune-up for Boston so at all. I, it's actually a really a great good tune-up tune up for Boston. Yeah, I think it's a really good one. The timing's right. It's hilly. So, yeah. So. yeah, I'm sure she will. But I'm just wondering if she's going to jump in the marathon instead. Rather than making that turn at seven miles, she's just going to go straight and do the marathon. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I guess we will find out. <laughs> we will. We will. Um, all right. Eric, you ready to rejoin the conversation, man? <laughs> <laughs> i'm here all right cool i'm just enjoying uh, this so the the one thing that i did want to talk about this week and i, I just kind of wanted to get y'all's take on it so this is not a book of the quarter but it is a book that i just finished reading over the course of the past few days and it's kind of gotten my head a little bit um but i read a book called burn um by dr herman Ponser, who is a professor at duke um he's a paleoanthropologist and he specializes in human energetics. That means that he actually looks specifically at the way that human metabolism works um, and the way that we intake calories and expend calories, right? Um, and he's also done a lot of research with primates in order to, to get a sense of, of where we come from and who we are and how our bodies work by looking at some of our close relatives, right? Um, but anyway, this book, Burn, New Research Blows the Lid Off How We Really Burn Calories, Stay Healthy, and Lose Weight, it's called. Um, and essentially in the book, he makes a few arguments, some of which align with my experience as an athlete, as a runner, and some of which don't. And so I wanted to share those really quickly. And I wanted to get y'all's take on them to see if they align with your experience. Um, and by all means, folks who are listening to the podcast, if you've read the book, or even if you haven't, um, let us know whether, uh, whether, whether it aligns with your experience here. So Let's talk about the first major argument. And it takes him, by the way, four or five chapters to get to this major argument, which is a little bit annoying, but I'm not mad at him. Um, but the, fir- the, the, the major argument of the book, um, the overarching takeaway of the book is what he calls the constrained daily energy expenditure model. Um, and this is something that, that through his work with primates and through his work with the Hadza people, um, which is a hunting gathering society in northern T- Tanzania, that he has basically found. Um, and there's other research that's backed it up um, uh, uh, throughout the scientific community. So specifically, um, what he says is that the idea that we all tend to have, and this is certainly the idea that I had prior to reading this book, that everybody has a basal metabolic rate of 1500 calories, 2000 calories, whatever. That's the amount of, of calories that you spend just going through life um, that your body needs in order to take care of all of its functions, um, uh, et cetera. That, that you have a basal metabolic rate and then you have an amount that you add on for doing exercise. So if you burn roughly 100 calories per mile for running, you have your basal metabolic rate, say, 2000 calories. And then you go out and run 10 miles. That's another thousand calories. That means you have 3000 calories a day you can play with. 
Or if you run 20 miles, that's 4,000 calories a day you can play with, right? And as long as you're taking in less than 4,000 calories a day, then you're going to lose weight. What he found is that regardless of the amount that we exercise, we tend to burn about the same amount of calories as a sedentary person. That that idea of adding calories from exercise on top of a basal metabolic rate is just not what our bodies do. Rather, when we go out and we run 10 or 20 miles um, and we expend 1,000 to 2,000 calories, our body will still burn the same amount of calories over the course of the entire day. It will just lower our basal metabolic rate. It'll take away the amount of calories we're spending on all of our other bodily functions. Do you see what I'm saying? Um, and so he says, quote, our metabolic engines shift and change to make room for increased activity costs, ultimately keeping daily energy expender with, expenditure within a narrow window. As a result, physically active people, whether it's hunter-gatherers living today or in our collective past, or people in the industrialized world who exercise regularly, burn the same amount of energy as people who are much more sedentary. <laughs> that is the collective sound of 75% of our blown. listeners' minds being blown. And but, the other 25% are catching up because they're like, what did they just say? Right. I mean, but but my mind was a little bit blown. But at the same time, I kind of feel like this aligns a little bit with my experience. Right? Because I, so for a year, for 30 years, I have looked at how much I've run. And you can just take that off. I run 60 miles a week. That's 6,000 calories that I've burned. That's like skipping three days of eating right? That's not how it works. Um, instead, my body will change the way that it uses energy and, and it, it will modify metabolism in order to subsume those 6,000 calories into my regular energy expenditure. And I'll still, at the end of the day, burn only 2,500 calories total. I'm kind of pissed, actually. <laughs> Can you um, do that math again? What so if my basal metabolic rate is about 2000 calories, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and I burn, everybody burns about 0.69 calories per kilogram of body weight. Per kilogram, okay. I, um, okay. Or no, per pound of body weight, pardon me. Per pound, pound of body okay. weight. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, per pound of body weight. And so if I weigh 150 to 160 pounds, if I run 10 miles, that's about 100 calories per mile. The heavier that's about what it comes down to. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. about what it comes down for to most people. But the heavier yeah. you are, the more mass you have, the more calories you burn. You seem to agree with this. This aligns with what it, you think. It, it does. I mean, so I have a, a friend who used to always say the phrase, you can't outrun the fork. Um, and that's basically what this is saying, is that no matter how much you exercise, <laughs> it's not going. And he says this multiple times. No matter how much you exercise, it's not going to make you lose weight. Because your body is going to to adjust to the exercise and it's going to adjust your metabolic rate to where the total amount of calories you burn at the end of the day is going to be the same, regardless of whether, whether you're running 10 miles or running zero miles. This explains kind of why it is that, that I could or I have or everybody else has run scores of miles over the course of my life and, and would expect to be in a pretty huge energy deficit at most times and I'm not. Michelle. Pass. <laughs> Neither one of us appreciate the results. No, I don't of, either. I don't either. This. But at the same time, it kind of makes sense, though, because I've definitely had times in my life, including as recently as this past fall, where I was running plenty. I was training at a high level and the number on the scale was not moving. Um. And, and, and it drove me insane that, 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 that I could run more and run more and run more. And the number on the scale stays the same. So, okay. So this may align with something that I've always believed. So, or that I've, I've come to believe and, and maybe it explains why I've believed this. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm really stretching here, but I've always told people that get caught up in like calorie intake that your body's way smarter than you are. And you can read the backs of, you can read labels of food and you can measure out amounts, but your body's smart enough to adjust itself to your fluctuations in calorie intake. So there's some sort of window around 
um, your let's call it your basal metabolic, you know, calorie intake that your body's either going to absorb or shed to kind of keep you where right your burn belongs now. Um, yeah. And, 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 in fact, and in fact, that's kind of what he says. He said, this is the reason why it's evolved is because human beings over the course of the history of humanity, not like the last few hundred years, but literally the the, the last couple million years, it's, it's at least the last 200,000 years. Um, as, as human beings have evolved, our food situation has not always been constant and reliable. And so because of that, our metabolism has become really, 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 really flexible. Um, such that that if you run all the time, um, it's not necessarily it's going to lower your basal metabolic rate such that you're going to be burning the same amount of calories, even if you're running 10 miles a day as somebody who runs zero miles a day. I, I get it. I get it. And I'm not one to call into question someone's research when I'm not like looking at their research and you know, he's got some okay, okay, basis okay, for this. Okay, somewhere, so, but... so, so he cites a couple of other studies. He cites a study from the Netherlands, for example, where they enrolled men and women into a year long program, 12 months long to train them to run a half marathon. All the people were sedentary when they started <laughs> at the start, they ran 20 minutes a day, four days a week. And at the end, they were running 60 minutes at a time up to 25 miles a week at week 40 the women were only burning 120 more calories per day than when they had been on the couch, even though the running itself would cost about 360 calories. How much weight had they it, lost? It, it, it was the same. For the what was the they, change in their body they'd actually composition? Gained, they had actually gained four pounds of muscle. Um, and so so that idea that, that, oh, well, now they're running four miles a day. And so you expect them to be able to eat 400 more calories a day is wrong because their their basal metabolic rates went down such that their total burn over the course of the day was now only 120 calories more per day which is nothing which is half of a, of a, of a protein bar right he cited another study from the united states in the late 1990s where they took sedentary overweight adults and assigned them either to an exercise group or a control group the exercise group burned 2,000 calories a day. That's 20 miles worth of running. They burned 2,000 calories a day. And after 16 months, the men had only lost 10 pounds, nearly all of which came in the first nine months. The women had not lost anything. I, 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 yeah. Had they converted like fat to muscle? So, was there... so it didn't say. didn't say. didn't say. Yeah. So because so, weight loss... Them? I don't so, think so. The only losses, so the only way yeah. so so Michelle just said was well, people lose weight. So it's calories. Right. He, he said he says the only way that people lose weight is is through dietary intervention by consuming fewer calories. Um, and so so essentially he one of the big takeaways in the book and he talks about how people have criticized him for this. But one of the big takeaways of the book is that he says that 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 if you're trying to exercise to lose weight, it's not going to work. Now there's lots of other reasons to exercise that make you healthier it increases your your um the 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 health of your cells there's all sorts of other benefits for your longevity that exercise will provide and so he's not saying don't exercise but if you're looking at exercise as a weight loss strategy it's a flawed strategy it's not going to work i think there's an assumption he's making though that the time you're not exercising is going to offset the time you are exercising. What do you mean? And I can see, so, okay, so 20 minutes to 60 minutes, right? That, if you start that's... a new exercise program tomorrow and stick to it religiously, you will most likely weigh nearly the same in two years as you do right now. Quotation from the book. Okay, well, I've been, I've had Michelle's a... just sitting there pissed, by the way. So, so no, Michelle, no, hold on a second. gather your hold thoughts because we're going to go to you next. I'm not, ahead, I'm actually... There's only, I you can only suppress... You can only suppress your basal basal metabolic rate so much, right? So, so there's a, there's a there's a bottom limit there, right? Um, and in but, fact, he says that that's where overtraining that's why overtraining happens. He says that that if you continually over time um, uh, take up too many calories with your activity levels and don't leave enough for all your other bodily functions, he says that's what overtraining is. Okay, okay. So there's a, there's a balance there. What I was getting at is, if I'm only running an hour a day. It'd be a lot, and 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 there's not a whole lot more calorie burn for that hour of running, right? You're talking exactly. like an extra 400, 500 calories. Then the suppression of my basal metabolic rate for the rest of the 23 hours of the day doesn't have to be much to make up for that. 
Mm-hmm. And it kind of goes back to my whole like window of three to 500 calories of like, you can eat whatever you want in that window and your body weight's not going to change because your body's going to adjust. But if you're exercising two and a half hours a day, mm-hmm. I, I'm, 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 I'm open to the idea mostly because I've, I've had a similar concept and it comes down to what you said there. You know, I've been training at a pretty high level for, I mean, hundreds thousands of hours a year mm-hmm. for 10 years mm-hmm. and my body weight's about the same mm-hmm. but i i also know that when i'm training i eat a whole heck of a lot more i mean not just a little bit more but a lot more and mm-hmm. when i don't i i see it like i cannot perform like my body tells me look you need to eat more Mm-hmm. Like I've like, there's some gauge in my body that tells me like something's wrong here and you need to change what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm struggling with that, this that, that gauge concept. he says is the hypothalamus. So, so your, your hypothalamus in your brain is basically the referee that determines whether you um, are taking in as much to kind of keep things in balance that way. And then mm-hmm. also will, will partition the resources between your basometabolic rate and your activity levels. Um, okay. And he argues that that modern diets with the, that are heavy on processed foods actually confuse the hypothalamus. And that's one of the reasons why why we tend to see so much obesity in the United States today. Um, that could be one reason, but there's many, many other reasons. Yeah, I think there's other cultural reasons as well that he doesn't go into yeah. because that's not his field. Um, yeah. um, all right, Michelle, what do you think? I don't know. I, I just... I, I very much believe that, you know, you like a, a rigorous exercise regimen is, uh, if you're looking at like weight loss, I would always say like, it's 90% what you eat and it's like 10% the exercise, Clearly, but yeah. to take it to the level that they took it. I mean, some of your notes, from he's the basically books, saying, he's basically saying it's a hundred percent what you eat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some of the notes fr- that, that you put on the sheet, George mentions the guy who ate the Twinkie. Yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah, no, there there's, so, so that's kind of related to, to, to a, a different argument, but, but it's worth mentioning. And so, so he very much thinks that, that calories in calories out is just a fundamental rule of physics and that a calorie is a calorie is a calorie and it doesn't matter. And so, right. so if you decide to up your protein intake and, and lower your carbohydrate intake, he said, that doesn't matter because a calorie is a calorie and, and that's just a fundamental rule of physics. Um, and so he talks about this guy from Kansas state university, a professor named Mark Hobb, who followed a junk food diet for 10 weeks to make the point, the calories are all that really matter for weight. And he tracked his progress on Facebook. He ate a Twinkie every three hours instead of normal meals. And he rounded out the diet was with chips, sugar, cereal, and cookies. Um, it was an awful thing, but he limited himself to 1800 kilocalories a day. Um, and at the end of 10 weeks, he had lost 27 pounds and went from a BMI of 28.8 to 24.9. And he lowered his cholesterol and triglycerides. So, yeah. Well, here's. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, I was, actually, it was probably terrible for his health I... otherwise. Or one, one would presume it was probably terrible for his health otherwise. But <laughs> but it made the but it, it made the point pretty vividly that calories in is what matters and the amount of exercise is not. Okay. So I don't want to answer your question. So I want you to answer mine. Okay. If you, if you subscribe to this, you know, to the theory that the book, like, what would you do differently for yourself? All right. So, so my, if, if I were to fall, cause I don't agree with the calories, calorie, calorie thing, even though he was okay. really adamant about that, because I've seen that when I change my calorie makeup, that when I eat more protein and fewer carbohydrates, for example, and not keto, not cut carbohydrates to zero. Right, I think but that's just stupid. But up the but, protein. But yeah. And and that 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 it does in fact change my body composition and it does make the number 100%. on the scale tend to go down. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that's that's kind of what you've done over the course of the past couple of months with the with the nutritionist you've been working with, right, Michelle? I had to focus more on getting my like sodium levels stable. Um, but okay. there was a huge emphasis on not cutting carbs, but making sure that I had 35 grams of protein at kind of all each meal, um, mm-hmm. throughout the day. Which so is a lot. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it just seems kind of normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I guess I've, I've been tracking since like December 5th. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't know, like, 
I think maybe there's there's eating to to fit into this study, but then mm -hmm. I also think there's eating and fueling for like performance, mm -hmm. which and I feel like we fall into the latter category. Yeah. And I except, just don't know that I don't it, know that it applies. I'm not saying that what he's saying isn't true. It's just like, did he test this in a bunch of, you know, high performing amateur athletes? Did he test this in elite athletes? Like So he 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 talks a lot about elite athletes and he talks about specifically about Michael Phelps and Katie Ledecky and, and, and several others, as a matter of fact. For me, the reason why it resonates with me, and, and as anybody, as everybody knows who listens to this podcast, is that I tend to be overly preoccupied with my race weight. Everybody knows that. Um, and, and that given the amount of exercise that I do and the fact that I don't eat like an idiot, that should not be something that, that I have to worry about. If so, you're ascribing to the factorial model where you have your basal metabolic rate plus the number of calories that you burn. And, and this, this to me, the, the constrained ex or energy expenditure model explains why it is that I've had to worry about this for 30 years. I shouldn't have ever had to worry about it. And I've always had to worry about it. Meaning what? It's just going to be what it's going to be? No, meaning that meaning that if meaning that I have to put in a serious effort in order to to make race weight and in order to to get to the weight that I want to be at. It means that 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 I've always been chubbier than all the other runners. Like, like, why is that? Um, well, this helps that that's not something I should have to worry about if I'm if I'm running and training as much as I am. Well, this helps explain why that is. Because even though I'm running and training at a at a very high level, my basal metabolic rate or the total number of, of calories I'm going to spend a day is going to stay the same. Like all this time, I thought that I was getting all these calories just X'd out of my diet by doing all the training that I was by doing. By doing all the training. And 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 I'm not. So then so how do you fuel all the training if if your body just figures it out and you don't have to adjust the calories? Like I just, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there is a sweet spot, right? There is a sweet spot at which you kind of say, okay, this is how much I'm going to take in. This is how much I'm going to fuel, um, in order to ensure that, that I'm able to train well, but also that, that my body has enough calories left over post activity to be able to, to, uh, to, to take care of all my body's other functions. Um, but if you're trying to hit race weight, if you feel like you're too heavy, which I always feel like, yeah. It's it, it, basically basically the reason why it bothers me so much is because it it, sa it says that 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 I can't just train more and hit race weight. That I'm going to have to continue to do all this shit that I've been doing for thirty years. That just is so exhausting. But that means, <laughs> but what that means is, I think that your hypothalamus dial is a little too high for where you want to hit homeostasis. So Maybe. your, your body is telling yeah. you to yeah. just in general, eat yeah. more yeah. to get to this yep. my, my, state my, where your exactly. BMR and your intake align. Yeah, exactly. My, to, 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 to say it a different way, my hypothalamus is happy with me being at a weight that's about eight to 10 pounds higher than what I think a good race weight is for me. Yeah fucking hypothalamus <laughs> but how do i fix that right i how think can, how, how can i reprogram you, it? how can i reset it i don't know you take the eric approach and you say and i'm and just going to carry and those quit, 10 pounds and i quit worrying about it yeah <laughs> well no. i was going to say like, weighing myself is such a yeah. nightmare i, I like, haven't weighed no, myself since that. before mountain mist to be fair i haven't <laughs> that's good that's mm -hmm. baby steps baby steps thanks buddy no, I, there's so much about this because I'm starting to think about, and I'm going back to Michelle's point. I think it's a great point, Michelle. Like, okay, does this mean that like fueling during a marathon, like that's like, like how do you account for that? Mm -hmm. Right. You have to fuel during a marathon. Are those calories not, or are they just supposed to be stacked onto what you're going to eat in that day anyway? I don't know. Because you can't carry enough to get through a 26 Point two yeah. mile race. I mean, right. we all know that fueling during a marathon is a requirement. Right. Um, I'm. I'm just. <sighs> yeah. Maybe I'll reach out to him and bring him on the podcast. What do you think? Well, that's a really good idea. Maybe we. Maybe we could read the book instead of. Instead of relying entirely on me to tell you what's in it, maybe. Maybe. 
That's what I need. Um, I need another book on my nightstand. Is this book $30? Is this another $30 book that I got? It's it's a Duke professor. What we need is for Grace, your daughter, who is the Duke student, to take a class with this guy. I forgot about that. You know, I noted that when you first brought this up. And I, Mm. you know, he's only 30 minutes away. So, Um, well, assuming he actually lives in Durham. Uh, well, he does. Stu- he studies in Tanzania and Uganda on a uh, on a on a frequent basis. So, okay. so who knows? Um, okay. So, um, all right, y'all. Uh, thank you for indulging me this, and and dear listeners, thank you for indulging me this as well. Um, by all means, if you have uh, experiences to share, please reach out. Um, Michelle, appreciate you being here. Hope everyone has a good week. So, I'm so happy we only have to do Monday once per week. Mondays are hard. <laughs> For sure. Uh, Eric, thanks for being here, man. Hey, thanks. And just a, a quick um, heads up. I believe next week, I believe next week, we're going to try to bring in a tech talk. Uh, we are. We're going to talk about some uh, technology associated with metrics uh, for the different systems that we have out there. Probably focus on a few because there's so many out there. It would it would overwhelm the podcast. So just a heads up. Um, yeah, it should be a good conversation. Mm-hmm. Do you For sure. do you think everybody knows that their Garmin can find their iPhone like I do now? <laughs> <laughs> and we'll save that story to kick us off next week. Uh, awesome. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasant podcast, on Twitter at pleasant podcast, on Instagram at most pleasant exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcast. Be sure to share us with your friends. We're brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com. Their Twitter is at ITL Coaching, and their Facebook group is facebook.com slash ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them on Instagram at ITL Coaching. We're also proud to be sponsored by Elemental Altitude, Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com, on Instagram at Elemental Altitude, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Elemental Altitude. Blue Pineapple Travel can be found at bluepineappletravel.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, or on Instagram at bluepineappletravel. And finally, High Echelon. You can find High Echelon at highechelonCPA.com. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We'll see you next time.